0: Glad you all made it here. Welcome to those of you who are still at home in your pajamas from Christmas. We're glad you tuned in as well. This morning we're going to take a look back at 2020, and then we're going to learn something this morning that I hope we keep in mind as we travel into 2021, which we don't know what's going to happen. But, wow, what a year. Polarizing politics, permeating pandemic, an explosion of protests, mixed messaging media, how are you guys all faring under the pressure of this stormy assault on our houses of trust? Well, here's one indicator of how the mental health of Americans are doing right now. According to a Gallup poll from November, Americans' latest assessment of their mental health is worse than it has been at any point in the last 20, or sorry, two decades. More than 10 months into this coronavirus pandemic in the U.S., Americans report their mental health is much worse than a year ago. As a new surge in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, we have seen corresponding surge in mental health problems across all demographic categories, party affiliation, religiosity, sex, race, age, income, except there's one subgroup, That actually has better mental health than a year ago. Can you guess who they are? People who go to church every Sunday. Well, what's behind that phenomenon? Well, perhaps, is this working? There we go. Jesus knew this about us when he said everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it i think we can link the mental health of our american nation directly to the fact that most people are not anchored to the words of jesus to the person of Jesus. And therefore, this year, good grief, all the things that took place, no wonder it rocked their foundation in many different ways, and we haven't even listed all of those things. What we think about ultimate authority, humanity, purpose, reality, and ethics really matter and have an enormous impact on our everyday lives and on our well-being. It also exposed this in 2020, and I hope we catch this, We are living in a post-Christian nation that does not think biblically. Now, I know that for a lot of us, we think there's probably more Christians than there really are, but in fact, there is a really low number. Some say as low as 10% true followers of Christ who attend church regularly, who serve in that church, and are changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that's the case, then yeah, we're not in a Christian nation anymore. Now, why do I share this kind of grim news as we head into 2021? Because I want us to understand the world we're living in so that it doesn't catch us off guard or conform us to the way that it's heading. The second thing is I want us to be able to be prepared and understand where are these people coming from because they're all around us and in our lives and we wanna be able to have, be equipped for the opportunities that we'll have to be able to talk to them. And the better we understand how they think the better we'll be able to have conversations with them. So this morning, we're gonna look at what shapes the way people view the world. We're gonna look at how people arrive at the assertions they make and the actions they take. And to start with, I I wanna talk about glasses and how glasses control how we see things and provide an accurate picture for us. A worldview is like a set of glasses that controls what we see in the world around us. Now, I'm not using glasses right now, but normally I need glasses to be able to read. But I have 20-point font up here, so I don't need glasses. But, again, glasses, for me, give me the 20-20 vision or clear vision. It's the standard. If I take my glasses off, all kinds of crazy things can happen. And the same thing can happen when we take our eyes off of Jesus, or we take the word of God out of a person's life. Recently, we were playing a game on our phones with a bunch of people in the living room, and I looked down at what I thought said butter, but the word actually was buffer. And then I went on to say a few comments in the conversation, which ended up causing a ton of laughter. And I was wondering, well, what happened here? Well, it was because I didn't have my glasses on. Now, that's kind of a funny story, you know, but there are things that are worse than that. Like, for instance, in the Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Hopefully, you've seen that recently. Pharmacist Mr. Gower was not thinking or seeing well, and he accidentally put some cyanide in some capsules that he was going to send out to a person which would have killed them. But George Bailey was able to see clearly, saw what had happened, intercepted it, and saved the day. Now, when we come to a worldview, we're talking about something that's way more than just an embarrassing misreading of a word or some cyanide in capsules. We're talking about a person's soul and their eternity and how they're living their life and whether they're going to have a relationship with the Lord. And again, as I said, if we don't use the word of God as our standard of truth, our set of glasses that keep helping us to see the world correctly, The farther we move away from God, we end up losing our way. We end up losing ourself. And Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32 lays that out amazingly. We're going to come back to that later. But my question for us this morning is, are we seeing the world as it really is? So what we're going to do first is we're going to take a quick look at some definitions so we know what in the world a worldview is. And then some key components that make up a worldview so we can spot it when we see it or hear it. So to start with, I think I missed a slide in there. A worldview expresses a set of beliefs that are foundational and formative for human thinking and life. It reflects how you would answer all the big questions of human existence, fundamental questions we ask about life, about the universe, about everything. It also is a biblical worldview, is a set of beliefs or assumptions or values based on the Bible that determines how a person lives. A worldview is the set of culturally communicated values and presuppositions by which we understand and interpret all existence and events, and by which we respond to and act within our total environment. That was from Jack. And then lastly, I don't know why this is double-clicking, C.S. Lewis said it this way. I believe Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. A biblical worldview gives us those lenses to be able to see everything accurately as it is from God's point of view, not from our point of view or the world's point of view or a skewed point of view. Now, there's a ripple effect when we think about a worldview, how I see things. And it kind of goes like this. The worldview, your set of beliefs, leads to you developing some values, the things that are going to guide your behavior or your choices, which eventually lead to a lifestyle that you live and develops culture. And everyone has A worldview, whether they know what a worldview is or not, they all have a way of viewing life and they have a way of answering all these huge questions about meaning, about existence, about origins, about destiny. So everyone has a point of view. But are we actually all looking at the same truth? Here's what I said earlier about Romans. This is what Romans said. For although they knew God, They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. As I said, if you unhinge yourself from God, you are going to go just about anywhere and everywhere and believe anything about reality, about what is. And that's a scary place. So what are these major components that make up a worldview? I'm going to go through several ways you could view this. There are questions. Who are we? What is the nature, task, and purpose of human beings? Where are we? What is the nature of the world and the universe we live in? What is wrong? Whoops, sorry. What is wrong? What problem do we have and how did it get here? How does it keep us from actually living as God designed us to. What's the answer? How is it possible to come up or, or overcome that hindrance? Another way to look at it is, is kind of a biblical framework of creation. Who are we? Why are we here? Where did we come from? The fall. What's wrong with us in our world? How does the gospel solve our problem? And where are we headed? Another one is the story of God. You've probably heard this term recently in the news where people are saying, Oh, that's the narrative that they're spinning for you. What that means is that the news, any media outlets you, you go to, just about any piece of information you take in is telling some sort of a story about reality, about who we are, about where we're headed, about all the things that matter. They're saying something from a worldview to you. And often we don't think of it that way. We just think, oh, I'm just, I'm just here. I'm watching TV. I'm watching the news. I'm just they're telling me about what is from their worldview. It's not always necessarily just pure truth. And so this helps us understand that. But of all of these different forms of uh, or elements of a worldview, I think this one is probably the easiest for us to remember. It falls in line with the rest, but it's, it's a little simple because less words. Ultimate authority. Who do we answer to? Humanity, who am I, how did I get here? Reality, purpose, and ethics. So we're gonna work from that grid point the rest of this morning, and I hope that you can remember that. I put it in your notes so you can have it for the rest of the year, so you can start analyzing all the things that you hear in the world. So why is it important for us this morning to take time to look at worldview to understand this, because the Bible tells us, see to it that no one takes you captive by a philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Remember what I said earlier when I read that passage from Jesus? If you unhinge yourself from his words, what happens? You go according to the world and not according to Christ. And you end up being taken captive. That's a danger. So who or what is forming how we view the world? And I want to say to us that the culture is something that affects us without us even knowing it. You catch it. It's it's kind of like growing up in a family that has traditions. They don't tell you, oh, this is the way to do Christmas. But on Christmas, some of you get up really early, you have breakfast, then you open presents. Some of you sleep in, and then you open presents. And you grow up as a little kid thinking, this is how Christmas is done. Until you meet someone else and they go, what? That's weird. Then you realize, oh, I just, I caught that. Nobody told me this was the right or wrong way to do that. Well, something similar happens to us just living in America, and we could list Example after example after example of how we've been affected, but I want to just focus in on one of them. Actually, two. They kind of go hand in hand. It's consumerism and individualism, which are both against biblical Christianity. It's about me and my choice. Our culture overemphasizes individuality. Other cultures, it's all about the community. Matter of fact, there's a saying in one other culture, The tallest blade of grass gets cut first. That's completely opposite of what it's like in America. You want to be the tallest blade of grass. You want to stand out. You want to be the best. You want to. It's all about you. There, it's all about the community, knowing and fulfilling your place within the community. And I think we're starting to absorb this within the Christian church consumerism and individualism can lead to a group of people with no sense of connection or obligation to anything greater than fulfilling their own desires. That's what's all around us. It's what we see on TV. It's what you see in movies. And if we think that, oh, it doesn't affect me at all, then we're missing what's happening to us. Here's why I think it is affecting us. Arizona Christian University did some research recently and they said this is one of the most alarming shifts that they've seen. A majority of adults aligned with an evangelical church, 52%, contend that truth is uniquely determined by each individual according to their preferences and circumstances. That sounds like the world. That's not biblical. No, I read the Bible, it tells me What I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to live, who I am, who God is, but people are starting to turn away from that. Ideas have consequences. There's a direct correlation between our choices and the results they bring. We as Christians often just absorb the prevailing worldview from popular culture without even giving it much thought. Let me give you some more statistics. Evangelicals are embracing secularism, that's the point. So 52% reject absolute moral truth. 61% of evangelical Christians in churches don't even read their Bible on a daily basis. 75% of them believe that people are basically good. 42% seek moral guidance primarily from sources other than the Bible. That to me tells me that the world we're living in is having an effect. Now, I'm not saying this is you, and you, and you, and you. I'm just asking us to stop and consider and ask the question, has the culture impacted me and I didn't see it? Do any of these represent some of the ways that I think right now? So ideas have consequences, but bad ideas have victims. And that's from John Stone Street. So I want us to look at an example. Debt. The media influence of constant ads of what we should purchase to get the good life has caused people to believe that the good life is having what I want. That's my worldview. That's my set of beliefs. So therefore, I place value on acquiring what I want I make choices to use whatever means I can to acquire what I want. So I use credit cards to buy it so I can have it now. And that behavior becomes so normal that the entire country we live in is being shaped by consumerism in its everyday life. We end up with a profit and consumer driven economy with the average household debt of $33,000. And that's just car loans and credit cards. So, bad ideas have victims. A worldview affects law, government, business, education, science, psychology, medicine, history, religion, relationships, everything about existence in this life and the one after. So again, why pay attention to this? So that we can avoid being taken captive by this. So that we can analyze Culture, so that we can see what has creeped into my thinking and my worldview. We can do that by looking at our choices, we can do that by looking at the things that motivate us, we can look at the things that we value in life, the priorities we have set, how we live our everyday life, look at your money, look at your time, look at the media that you you take in, the kinds of movies you watch. Those are all ways that we can pay attention to this. The other reason we wanna pay attention to this is so that we can engage those around us. Like I said, how in the world can we know what a person believes or how they arrived at a conclusion? If we know what their worldview is, we'll be able to go, well, yeah, okay, it makes sense that you got here because you believed this, 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 and it led to that and that. Of course you made that choice. But now I have a place to start from to talk with them and go backwards to all of those things and hopefully be able to share with them something different. We can be sort of like George Bailey and go, oh, wait, you're not seeing this right. This could cost somebody their lives. This could cost you your life. Let's talk about this. Here's another example of this. How does a person arrive at being able to say, I am a woman trapped in a man's body? Or, like the actress Ellen Page, uh, she was in Juno and a few other movies, she's declared she is now becoming Elliot Page which, by the way, most of our society just accepts. In fact, they actually celebrate it and approve of it and approve of those who do it. And you can see this in commercials and media and all kinds of things. This is what Carl Truman said in his book, uh, the, rise of the, Mo- the, tr- the Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. He says, This is only plausible in a world in which the predominant way of thinking comes from a person's feelings, with the purpose that I choose to create for myself, human nature becomes something individuals or societies invent for themselves. So how I live comes from in here, not from anything outside of me. Again, unhinge yourself from God, and this is where you end up. Well, let's just take for a second a look at what might have shaped this person to get them to that place. Using our our worldview grid, Okay, ultimate authority, humanity, reality, purpose, ethics. Okay, ultimate authority is me. I decide reality. I decide what life is going to be because I'm the ultimate authority. Humanity is not biological. It's not fixed or created. But it's rather something I discover and I make a decision about. Elliot Page actually declared he has finally become his authentic self. Purpose? i got to find my authentic self, and I do that by looking inside, not by looking at God's word to find out how have I been created? What is this world that I live in? What is my purpose? This is what Hillary Clinton said about Elliot Page. It's wonderful to witness people becoming who they are. And I think, man, that is so destructive because... Again, when you unhinge yourself from reality and from who God made you, it can only lead to disintegration and distortion and pain and heartache. And we're seeing that all over the place. Reality. This is another thing. Truman says it's, it's shifting and something we can manipulate according to our own wills and desires. I make my own reality. And then Ethics. What's right and wrong? Well, whatever I decide is right and wrong. That's what I can do. Because I am the arbiter of all those things. Now, with a worldview kind of similar to that, is it any wonder that Washington State would promote and pass a progressive sex education curriculum? Or why Planned Parenthood does what it does? If you have that kind of a worldview. And again, I said, ideas have consequences, but bad ideas have victims. What about all the kids? That are going to be completely confused by all this stuff that they're going to start telling them. Unhinged from truth, unhinged from what God has said about us. Here's another example. And I actually had a conversation with someone about this euthanasia. If people are a greater drain on society than their ability to contribute, then we need to get rid of them. Well, who decides? At what point does someone become not a, enough of a contributor? When does this, who decides when the scales tip? And it's like, okay, time for you to go. You're not contributing enough. It affects the beginning, the middle, and the end life decisions and everything in between about people. And the evolutionary process that has been taught, the theory, for so long has had an impact on this. So ultimate authority is societal, the collective good, but it's always only determined by a select few. They get to decide what ultimate authority or where we're headed. There's no value giver, no creator. Humanity is this equation of matter plus time plus chance equals a machine. Purpose. Make society better and enjoy this life. The strong survive, the weaker removed. Reality is what we make it. We came from nothing, so we're going to return to nothing. Ethics, end-of-life decisions are based on whatever, ans- whatever advances the whole project. The survival of the fittest. So, when you look at people's view of the world and how they answer the deep questions of life, you can explain, how did they get to this conclusion? How could somebody arrive at this end result where they say, oh yeah, uh, you know, people in nursing homes, they're not contributing anything, we should just You know, take them out of the equation. You're like, that sounds scary, but when you back up and you look at how they view the world, okay, that that it makes sense in the sense that it's a logical progression. It doesn't make sense in reality or according to truth. So here's one conclusion or one way to understand our world. Time plus matter plus chance equals machines easily leads to our society's use of the media to prioritize and emphasize saving the people here now from the coronavirus, which as reported lately has claimed 1.7 million lives in 2020. While the same media is virtually silent about abortion, which has claimed 42 million lives in 2020. Why are we hearing so much about the 1.7 and nothing about the 42 million? Well, when you look at their worldview, you can understand how they got there. Doesn't make it right, but at least you know this is the world we're living in. Okay, so how do we engage people? How do we talk to people? Well, first, let's back up. How do we transform our worldview so that we don't become conformed to the world around us? I'm going to back up before I show you that. We must understand that our interaction with culture through relationships, media of all forms, entertainment, time spent in each of those categories does have an influence on us. We can't just ignore and say, well, I live in America, but it doesn't affect me at all. We can't say that. We actually have to look at our lives and be careful. What, what am I taking in? And realize that every piece of information you take in, even when you're selective, it's all coming from people who have a worldview. Is their worldview biblical? Do you even know what their worldview is? Because it's coloring the information they're giving you. So we have, to, we have to be careful of that. And then understand that behind all of this, is Satan, who wants nothing better to keep us away from God, deceived, and destroy us. That's the ultimate one that we're, we're in a war and a battle against. And the only way we're going to be able to fight that is to stay connected to God's word. And that's where Romans 12.2 comes in. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Constant renewal, constant input of God's word on a daily basis is the only thing that's going to be able to keep forming our worldview so that we see things like God does, so that our glasses that we're looking through to see the world and understand everything is accurate. Francis Schaeffer said, people function on the basis of their worldview more consistently than even they themselves realize. The problem is having and then acting on the right worldview, which gives men and women the truth of what is. That's what you're aiming after. That's where we've got to go. And this doesn't happen overnight. It takes Humility to sit before God and say, Lord, I don't see everything the way that you do. I need help. I need you to keep changing the way that I view myself, other people, the world around me, you, reality, everything. I need your help. And it's a process that takes time. But if we use these five elements and we understand to look through the Bible to the world rather than looking at the Bible through the world, then we can begin to grow and have our our view of the world shaped by God. It should should determine how we understand reality, how we solve problems. But it doesn't happen in a single moment. It takes time. And I wanna give you a couple examples of people in the Bible that you are well known that you can see that they are just like us who needed continual changing of their worldview. Jonah is one of them from the Old Testament. He was a prophet of God. He knew God really well, and he knew God's ways. God told him, go to the Assyrians and preach to them that they need to repent. So what does he do? He sees himself as ultimate authority, and he runs the other direction. God eventually changes his mind, brings him back. Adjusts his attitude and his worldview. He actually finally goes and shares the message, but then he's pouting about it and he's angry about it. And so God has this conversation with him because he wasn't viewing the Assyrians the way God views the Assyrians. Because God tells him, should I not have compassion on 120,000 little ones and their cattle? He even throws animals in. Obviously, Jonah didn't give a rip about the Assyrians because they were kind of enemies of the Israelites. And if you're not an Israelite, we don't really care about you. I don't care if you get smoked by God, so I don't want to go tell you how to repent because then God will probably save you. And he knew that that God was a compassionate and gracious and loving God. So Jonah needed his worldview adjusted and his attitude. What about the New Testament? Peter Very well-known story in Acts chapter 10. Peter had grown up in the Jewish culture where you do not eat with Gentiles. And so he was going to have no part of going into a Gentile's home. He's sitting on the roof. He's praying. And then you know the story where God lowers the sheet like three times and tells him to kill and eat all these things that were unclean. He's like, what? No, I can't do that, Lord. He had this view of Gentiles that wasn't correct. And God had to change his attitude about other humans so that he would actually go into their house, share a meal with them, preach the gospel to them. He needed an attitude adjustment and a worldview adjustment. The same thing goes for us. That's why it's so important that we spend time in God's word all the time because our, our worldview is being formed by things around us, and it's, we're fallen. It's still not the way it should be, and it never will be in this life. So it's going to be this continuous progression of spending time with the Lord and having him change the view that we have. But I want to, I want to double back to the verse that I read earlier and read for you the beginning of it that says, this is Jesus in Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So as we head into 2021, I have no idea what's coming. Based on 2020, based on the election, it's anybody's guess what we're going to run into. But if we can keep these things in mind that we've looked at this morning, we will be better equipped to not be caught up by what is going on in the world, but rather be empowered and equipped to engage the people in the world to help them see the accurate view of reality. And frankly, the person of Jesus Christ, if you wanna just go look at Jesus the next time you read a gospel, with these five, those five things, ultimate authority, humanity, reality, purpose, and ethics in mind. And watch him display perfection before you in the way he treats other people, the way he looks to God in submission, all of the things he does. And you will be floored by that. But secondly, you'll be equipped. Oh, that's how to do it. That's how to have a conversation. That's how I should be thinking about money. That's how I'm supposed to be thinking about my enemy. That's how I'm supposed to be thinking about, because the way that we think shapes our values, shapes our behaviors, shapes the way we live our life. Let's take 2021 and renew our commitment to building our lives on Christ, the solid rock. Will you pray with me? Father, <clears throat> I know I just blazed through a ton of information, and I just pray that your spirit would help us to, to be able to sort it out, to make sense of it, to be able to analyze the world we live in, but most importantly, to keep coming back to you and your word, Lord, so that you can give us truth, that you can shape us and mold us into your image, that you can give us a better understanding and view of reality so that we won't be caught up or conformed in the things of this world. So we pray this week, Lord, that you would help us with that because we desperately need your help. Thank you for loving us, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.